Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Good morning. This is Get Your Kids Back Now. I'm attorney Vince Davis, and this show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of the show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of the show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box, at the state and federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Good morning. Uh, one of the first things I'd like to speak talk about is um, this past week I've been in a long ongoing trial and I wanted to give some trial pointers uh, to all of you uh, when you're doing a juvenile dependency case. One of the things that happened is, is that a witness got on the stand on Wednesday afternoon and started to testify. After the witness uh, testified on direct, uh, the witness was called by the minor's attorney uh, who was against me on this case. And so it was a witness, uh, an adversarial witness. I was the first person to cross-examine the witness and we ran out of time and the witness had to come back on a second day. When I got there the second day, the minor's attorney told me before the case started, she said, hey, the witness wants to change his testimony about a few things. And I'm thinking, change his testimony? He was testifying under oath. How is he going to change his testimony? That's what I'm thinking. And so I said, well, what does he want to change his testimony about? And she tells me. And I said, well, how did he come to the realization that he did not testify truthfully on Wednesday, but today he's going to correct it? And the attorney shrugged her shoulders and walked away from me. Seconds later, the judge calls the case, the witness gets back on the stand, and I continue cross-examining him. At some point, I asked the witness something to the effect, I understand you want to change your testimony from Wednesday. He said, well, part of it, yes. And I said, well, what do you want to uh, testify to? He said, well, I want to correct a few things that I said. Some of them were of a collateral nature, which I would deem not important. But there were a couple of things that he said were, goes right to the heart of our case. And he's changing his testimony about it. And I asked him, I said, well, how did you figure out, you know, you weren't being truthful uh, on Wednesday, but today you, you know, you're telling me the correct story. And he said something to the effect of, I talked to my wife and my wife, my wife corrected me on some things or words to that effect. Now, one of the things I didn't tell you is his wife testified early on in the case as a witness against me and my client. So um, we continued the cross-examination and I'm thinking more improper than this for a witness, uh, I won't say tampering, but you know, a witness doing something that they shouldn't be able to do. 
And then interestingly enough, on the recross examination, uh, they tried to get in a, into evidence that this gentleman uh, was a retired federal agent, something that I had success, successfully kept out of uh, the testimony up to that point. But I decided I was going to let that go because either I or someone else would ask him, hey, you've testified before. And, um, you know, what is implied by that is, you know, you know the rules. So, of course, the minor's attorney asks him, um, well, as a federal agent, um, have you testified before? Yes, many, many times. And uh, I'm thinking, wow, if he's testified many, many times, he should know that in the middle of testimony, you can't go talk to somebody about your testimony. So he finishes testifying at the end of the trial. I say to the judge, after everybody rests, Your Honor, I have a motion in limine to exclude the testimony of Mr. So-and-so witness, you know, the ex-federal agent. And everybody kind of looked at me like they were shocked and surprised, except for the judge. Now, the judge happens to be a very experienced judge, very knowledgeable guy, very, you know, knows the law, probably an, I would consider an expert in the law. And he kind of looked at me and he says, well, you know, what, what's the basis? But I think he already knew what I was going to say. At least that's the feeling I got. And I said, well, you know, uh, Mr. So-and-so uh, testified that he went back in the middle of his testimony and had a conversation with his wife about his testimony, who was a prior witness. And he changed his testimony, and he said that his wife corrected him on a couple, you know, on some major and minor points. I said, not only that, but he testified under cross by another attorney that he talked to the minor's attorney during the middle of his testimony. Now, he testified something very important that the minor's attorney and he did not talk about anything substantive. However, he did say that he asked the minor's attorney how he was doing and his deme about his demeanor. Now, I'm not sure that you all realize this, but one of the most important things when you're in the trial that the judge will decide upon a case is the demeanor of the witnesses. So here he is asking the minor's attorney about his demeanor and how he's doing in the, in the case because he said he didn't think he was defying that well. So I make the motion to, um, to exclude his testimony. The judge says, well, we'll deal with this on Monday. Mr. Davis, I'd like you to do some legal points and authorities, you know, backing up your request. So I came back to the office. I uh, assigned uh, one of the paralegals the task, uh, and they're preparing that right now. But it is my opinion, based upon those two things, that this witness's testimony will be excluded from evidence. or as a colleague of mine told me, there should be a mistrial declared. So stand by. I'll let you know next week 
what happens uh, with my motion to exclude uh, this witness's testimony or my uh, motion to declare a mistrial and have it start all over again. There's one other story I want to tell you about this trial, but first I'm going to take a couple calls because I see we're backing up in the queue. The first call I'm going to take is from area code 949 ending in 17. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Good morning, Attorney Davis. Yes, I would like to uh, actually share a story or an experience uh, that I've recently had with CPS. Go ahead. I, first of all, I'm a father of uh, four children, four, uh, I have an 11, a nine, a seven, and recently a one-year-old. Um, the one-year-old is from a new relationship. The other three is from a, a, a previous long-term relationship. Um, I was recently, um, well, I had a friend who was going through a divorce and at the same time, I was also going through a divorce, so we kind of had that common connection. Um, we started being friends just as a support system, and it turned into something a little more romantic. Um, she also has three children from the marriage she just ended. And somehow the ex-husband found out that she and I be were starting to get close um, because we started having our children interact with each other and, you know, going to the park. Um, and he's found my phone number on, on her phone. They had a family plan. So he went and looked online and saw basically all of our conversations and he decides to contact me. And, um, so I get this phone call. I didn't recognize the phone number. So I picked it up and, I said, yes, can I, Amal, who is this? And this, and he said, this is Nels. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm not, I shouldn't probably be saying any names, but this is so-and-so. Um, and to kind of just use non-offensive language, he said, how long have you been banging my wife or sleeping with my wife or whatever, you know? And I said, that's none of your business. You know, if you want to, I'm all, first of all, as, as much as I understand, you guys have been separated, you're going through a divorce, but that's not, you know, you can't just come out and ask me that. Um, and he said, stay away from her, stay away from my children. I don't want you involved in their lives. And then he hangs up on me. Um, and then a few weeks later, I had, I get a, knock on the door and it's the police and they said we got a referral from cps and we that you are physically abusing and i'm not going to use names of the children either this child and i said no that's not true so the police the police said may i may we come in and interview you i said of course after the interview about a few days later i get something in the mail saying they've dismissed the case and nothing was unfounded. Um, the child had a had a little infection or some. She had something like a little um, bruising or a cut or something in her ear, and he accused me of doing that damage. 
So the mother took the child to the doctor, and the doctor said it was an ear infection, very common with children. There's nothing anybody could have done. So that was the first one. And then multiple other accusations come. Like I was getting weekly visits from CPS, and I'm like, I'm like, why are you guys here? And they said, we're getting these calls against you. Somebody's accusing you. And I'm like, who? They said, well, it's a, we can't tell you that. So most recently, um, this uh, one of the the children is uh, at the time was three three years old, um, a little girl, and the father accused me of sexually um, assaulting her. Um, and I mm. so CPS came so CPS came back and interviewed me again. And I said, you know, I, at this point, I'm like, okay, here we go again. This is probably the fourth time you guys have been here. I'm all, I'm all. You understand? I I was trying to give CPS the background. I'm like, you know, they're going through a very messy, bitter, ugly divorce, and he's just using CPS as a way of harassing me and trying to keep the children away from me. Um, basically just as a, he's using CPS as a weapon, um, I don't know, to legally harass me, you know, maybe hoping that I'm just going to stay away and be like, you know, so, um, but for some reason it, it, this one, this particular, um, accusation actually picked up some steam with CPS because they came back the next week and they said, we're, we're moving forward with this. You know, we're we're going to continue to investigate this. So this went on for ten months. Ten months of uh, at least one or two visits from C- from a from a social worker, unannounced to my door. Um, I would be on my way to work. They would stop me from going to work so they can interview me. Going through my home, going through the rooms, making sure everything was in. Um, making sure I have hot running water, making sure there's food in the fridge, just just very invasive. Um, you know, did they, they also did they pulled take my your children, children away from you this at this Well, my, my children, children were, they didn't take my children away from me because this was nothing, this, this wasn't my children that was involved. This was the children of the um, lady, the, the girl that I was, becoming romantically involved with the one the one that was mm-hmm. going through divorce it's this this was accusations were, was against their their children that they shared um but it comes to find out my children then became at risk you know they obviously when somebody's being accused of something they had to notify the other parents so they notified the parent they pulled my children out of school asked interrogating all three of them um, just very invasive questions, uh, things that they shouldn't know about, things that they that can change how they look at their father, you know. Um, to a point where they were, they didn't, they were so, they didn't even want to talk to me about it. Their mom was one that said, "Do you know what they asked our boys, Mike?" I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. And I said, "No, I." And she told me what they asked them, and I'm like, and I was so upset at what they were what my boys were put through um then the my the my children's mother also said you know they want to take 
they, if this continues to move forward, like, they want me to take the boys away from you. You know, she's like, which I don't want to do, but I'm, they're not gonna, I'm not gonna have a choice. Um, and not, not to mention, before I get too off track, and these are things that I've never experienced before. I mean, when my, when my children's mother and I separated, it was ugly too. I mean, we, I was in, I was at the Lamoureux Justice Center. I mean, I was at Family Law, probably at least two or three times a month going back and forth, trying to get an extra day here, battling, you know, I mean, we, we weren't exactly, we didn't separate on good terms either, but never did we go as far as starting to falsely accuse each other of these heinous things, you know, using that, that kind of weapon, you know, and in a, in a messy, um, but the one thing I do want to, to make a note of that I didn't under, understand was I was put on a khaki index. Are, are you familiar with that, um, Attorney Davis? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Now, this khaki index, from what I understand, is some kind of it's like a I guess equivalent to like if you were if you're like a sexual offender you're on some kind of government list or something like that. Am I am I close? I I, I still don't understand well, that. Anyone, whole, any, kind of... The khaki list is a child abuse index maintained by the Department of Justice here in California. It lists everyone that has been um accused and there has been substantiation of the person uh, committing some type of child abuse. Now, what's supposed to happen is, is once the social worker substantiates it, you get a um, notice from the state that you're entitled to have a hearing. Uh, Correct. To take your name off the khaki list. Right. Correct. So did you file so for I that received hearing? I received that hearing, and this is during the investigation process. So basically, if I was, you know, in, in the justice system, you're presumed innocent until proven guilty, whereas in the CPS world, you're automatically proven guilty, and you have to prove your innocence. Is that pretty accurate to say what this index is what it's about? Um, I would say that you are spot on, 100%. So I I did request a hearing. I sent the letter back in, and they notified me. They said, we will we cannot um, do a hearing because your case has been sent over to Juvenile Dependency Court. And I said, well, okay. That is correct. So then I said, okay, well, then we'll see it. I guess I'll have to see it through. Um, and so... After dismissal, so let's let's get back to the to the store. So, so um, during this ten month ordeal of their quote unquote investigation process, which there was no evidence, there was no DNA evidence. There was it was basically a forensic interview, which I have the DVD of. They gave me a copy of it. And not one time did the child say I did anything to a point where the forensic interviewer was so frustrated that she couldn't get anything out of this child. She 
led the child to, to say things. It was the worst interview ever. Case was finally dismissed. The judge ripped that case apart and said the forensic interviewer is unqualified, should not be in this line of work, should be fired. Like, in those words, should be fired, should not be working for CPS, should not, is unqualified to be doing her, her job. Um, and so after the dismissal, I called back because I didn't want to be on this index, especially as a father myself. I, that's one list I don't want to be a part of. And they said, final, they said, well, you know, you don't need, I said, can I come for my trial now to get, remove my name from this index? And they said, well, that's not necessary. We'll just send you a, a notice in the mail that we're, your name is removed from the list. So this is a few months ago. I, and they said, you'll have it by the end of the week. I said, okay. First, they, they verbally told me. And I said, well, can I have something in writing? I'd like to have something in writing. I can't just have you verbally tell me I'm off the list. I'm all, that's not good enough for me. So they said, well, you'll have it by the end of the week. One week goes by, call back. I said, I haven't received it yet. Okay, we'll send it out this week. I'm all, so you haven't sent it out? They said, no. So this is a week, and it's going on probably the... 12th week and I still don't have anything in the mail. Nothing. You're kidding. To a point where You're I'm going to So to a point where I'm going to have to I'm going to you know, I mean like I said I'm I work 70 hours a week. Like I I mean it's it's hard supporting a family, you know, especially a new baby, three children. So I don't have so this whole process has taken time away from me trying to just put food on the table now i have to drive all the way take a day off to drive all the way over there to to and i you know maybe i'm gonna stay there till i walk away with the with this letter saying i'm not on this index anymore because I, up until this day i don't have anything in the mail yet even though they said it's it's we sent it out we'll or we'll send it out and i said did you send it out or we you will send it out which is it you know and they they don't have proof that they sent it and but they keep i mean it's it's such a runaround. I mean, though, the injustice here is that we're paying these, the, you know, the CPS, it's, 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 it's a local state agency, just like the police system, like that are supposed to, that we're, we're paying tax dollars for, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. And, and, these situations like if if i had something personal against somebody i mean it's it's so easy for me to to call you know i asked cps i said so if i if i want to retaliate with this person that's calling in all these false accusations i said i can just call anonymously and i can harass him and just make up some accusation that he's beating his child and you guys will just go harass him and, and come to his door they said well, yeah pretty much i said well at what point do you flag somebody for, you know, after having multiple accusations that just gets dropped? Like, will you then turn the tables and say, look, we're going to start prosecuting you for making these false allegations, for wasting, you know, our limited social work workers' dollars and time and, and so they can focus on the real children that do need help? Because I know there are out there. 
and the, and I've been I was cooperative through the whole process, regardless of the frustration and how unjust it was. I knew that they were just doing their jobs, and I knew that them as a whole is beneficial for the kids that really do need help. Um, and so I, you know, it's, but there are so much bias and injustices that I personally went through, you know, it's, it's a whole different ball game with, with CPS. Like you, you know, when you're, when you're in the regular criminal system, like the, the burden of proof is, is heavy on the accuser. Whereas in the CPS system, the burden of proof is, is you trying to prove yourself you're not guilty. Like it doesn't take much to, for them to prosecute or to move forward with, with a, a case against you. Um, and it's just, it's, I mean, it, it, I, I definitely do think it, it needs some, some reform or um, some more, especially when you, when you, if you look at it, I mean, they were looking deep into my, I mean, they were asking me questions about things I did when I was, I'm, I'm 40, 41 years old. They were asking me about things that I was doing when I was, oh, what, what, what was this for when, when you were 18? And I'm like, I'm all, how is that relevant to what's going on now? I'm all, I was 18, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, that shouldn't matter what I did when I was, you know, when I was 18 or whatever, like. I'm not, I'm not the same person. I haven't committed anything. I don't have anything negative. Like I've never had one CPS case opened up against me, no domestic calls, nothing. And then I get involved with one person and here I, within a course of a year, I have six, seven accusations and, and all police coming to my door asking about kids. Like I've never experienced that before, you know? I mean, I've been called a lot of mm -hmm. things in life, but but being a good dad is something that I, I take pride in. And so when this, this was something that definitely um, an experience that I, I, I don't wish on anybody. Right. Right. Well, listen, I want to thank you for calling and sharing. I just want to say one thing. You uh, probably have a big fat lawsuit against uh C DCFS, CPS, and the County of Los Angeles. So please keep that in mind, and we should talk about that later off the air. Definitely. I appreciate your time. Thank you again for uh, taking the time to listen Thank to my, my story. Thank you, sir. Alrighty. Thank you very much. Uh, that was an interesting call. Uh, another case where someone's falsely accused of sexual abuse i mean how how bad can that be uh against a child and uh there's a trial in juvenile court and um the case is thrown out just imagine what he had to go through for 10 months all right i'm going to take another call right now from area code Let's see, it's area code 66, I'm sorry, area code 805, ending in 99. Good morning, this is Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Um, Ashley, we're an active ballot measure. We're 17054. 
to give parents the right to a jury trial before a child can be taken into temporary custody after emergency custody has been taken. And also for parents that are going through a divorce, that one parent's trying to take legal rights of a child from the other parent. So you have a ballot measure that's um, before the state legislature in California? Yeah, it's now currently on the Attorney General's website for the comment period. We have 20 proponents. This is our third round to try and get on the November ballot. Well, let me let me ask you, um, could you give all of our listeners the web address they can go and comment on? Because this is such an important issue. I've thought, you know, I've been doing juvenile dependency almost 30 years, and I've always thought that people who are losing their children should have a right to a jury trial. I mean, you have a constitutional right to have a jury trial in a criminal case, you know, if you're going to go to jail. But more people care about their kids rather than, you know, going to jail. So if they give it to a criminal a person accused of a crime, they should also give it to a parent who could possibly, and this happens quite a bit, unfortunately, lose their child forever. So why don't you give us that website, and maybe you can give us some names of state legislators that we can contact or send emails or letters to. It's um, The Attorney General website is, I think it's oa-something.ca.gov. You can Google it. Okay. You can Google the California Attorney website and then look for active initiatives. Mm-hmm. I think there's one for schools for ours. So one came in after ours. And then ours is the second one on the list right now. Is this a, going on the ballot as um, a proposition? or as uh, something the state legislature is going to vote on? We are talking to state legislators. So we have talked to a senator, a very successful senator, and he has instructed us to get um, all the different groups for family rights in divorce cases and in CPS cases. He would like to get letters from all the different groups in support Um, And so if we get enough support, I think he may introduce it to the legislature. And that, of course, saves us from having to gather signatures. That would be excellent. Are are you free to give the senator's name so that we can all write to him or her? Um, Not at this point in time, because I think what he doesn't want is a whole bunch of people trying to contact him or make appointment with him, with him or that type of thing. Um, so he has asked us to make those connections and we have been not probably as fast as we should be. Um, mm-hmm. But once we get enough support for him to, um, to go back to his office and say, look, this is something that parents across California are gonna be behind, not just in your district, then we can move forward. So he has people he trusts. In fact, there's people that can right. enter his office at any point in time. And and we're not one of those people yet. Um, so mm-hmm. we're going through 
the people that he trusts and trying to get support um, to show those people as well. And there's lots of different, uh, I think, uh, issues that parents in California have that they want to see addressed. And it's not just the option for a jury trial. Um, And I think that's the problem that we're all facing is that we all have different things that are particular to our own cases that we think are wrong Mm -hmm. and need to be addressed or need to be fixed. And I don't think he's interested in, um, you know, a whole huge um, list of things that need to be fixed because the list would be huge and it is huge. I know one of the things that we're meeting with other people on is transparency in the courts. So there was a transparency bill introduced by a Republican. (laughs) So he told us that didn't have a whole lot of hope of passing, but there's a group that's trying to get transparency in all the courts. This is a civil matter. So CPS cases are usually independency courts and they're considered a civil matter simply because rights of children are involved. So the state claims um, independency court, they claim that the children are taken by them and that they have legal rights to the children. They claim it's a civil matter. And in divorce court, it's a civil matter as well. And so what, what people aren't aware of that in civil matters, there's a list of um, uh, it's not even an option for a jury trial. There's a list of things that you have in a civil matter. Someone's trying to take something away from you that you automatically have the right to a jury trial and you have to waive that right. Legal rights to your children in civil cases is not on that list that you have an automatic right to a jury trial and you have to waive it before someone can take your children from you. And that's what we're trying to change. Um, and we think that's the the biggest change that we can make to give parents protections to keep legal rights to their children. But there's groups all across California and all across the nation that have other ideas about what will protect children. And transparency is one of those ideas. And I think they're right that there's not transparency in the court. So when we go back to our senator, we're going to add transparency to the list that we want him to support. Um, The other thing that... um, there's lots of things popping up that make sense that we should have as parents, as layers of protection to be able to keep legal rights to our children. And we're trying to narrow down that way. Well, very good. If there's anything that we can do on our show to help you, uh, we would love to be involved and give you support so that you can start making these much needed reforms in the juvenile dependency system. I think as you're probably well aware that when you try and get an initiative the way that we're going right now without the senator, that we need over 400,000 valid signatures or close to 400,000 valid signatures, which usually means we need 600,000 signatures. And I was talking to someone grassroots effort before and was almost successful. And that seems to be the case a lot. Um, So when we go active and when we can start circulating, then we'll need help gathering signatures. And 
it may be an impossible task for a grassroots effort to actually get enough signatures to be on the November ballot, but we're going to try again then, and we're going to ask for support on that. We think it'll be more um, possible to get support from all the different groups out there, try to come together on the things that we think are important for the California legislature to address. And right now, it's transparency and it's jury trials. Very good. Well, and we I need support, support you. on those. Okay. Great. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling and sharing that with us. And if there's anything that our show can do, please let me know. Well, we'll keep you informed of our progress. How's that? Thank you very much. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. I'm going to take another call right now. This call is from area code 661, ending in 50. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Good. Vince Davis. Did you have a question to ask or a story to tell? Good morning. I have a, a story and a question, actually. Um, story started three years ago. We've been dealing with this case for uh, three and a half years now. Um, my fiance has been in and out of DCFS uh, due to his ex calling fraudulent um, accusations on him for about seven years now. So there's a long-standing track record of her doing this. This last one, instead of the investigators looking into it and actually just taking the evidence and presenting it, they decided that they were going to manipulate it to make sure that he was caught up this time. Um, We've gone through dependency court, uh, which just recently ended for one of the children. But the other child that was swept up because of the first child is still ongoing. The first child's case was ended and the accusation of sexual abuse was dismissed after three years um, for there actually was the first allegation that started was that she was he was teaching her to French kiss. The second allegation that actually got the warrant to remove the second child, uh, we didn't even get the accusation or wasn't investigated before the warrant was issued to remove the child. We actually had to go to court. I had to present all my information, go through all the background checks to just have my son returned home. This trial could go through. This was in August of 2014. They returned him home to to me, but my fiance at the time needed to be removed from the home. So he had to move out. So he's been moved out of the house for three years. Um, He had visitation, of course, in the home for a certain amount of time um, until CPS came up with, uh, I'm sorry, DCFS here and Los Angeles County came up with some other uh, accusations and uh, things that they seem to just pull out of thin air in their, quote, investigations. Um, He ended up having to not be able to come to the house at all 
and that was a two and a half year period for that. Um, at the end of the case, he was put back home, at least for the first child. He was put back home. Um, but we are still dealing with not only dependency courts, but now the state hearings office, as well as family court for the first child, because um, the investigation that they did for the mother was so wonderful that she now skipped town with the child. And I, these are just a, the basic rundown of this. There's so many different things that went on over this three years that it's just incredible. I've never had to deal with uh, social workers or anything before. This is my first go around with this. And I am totally amazed at what I've seen. Um, it's nothing like people perceive it is if they're not dealing with it. Because at least in the area that we're in, Lancaster Palmdale area, the social workers, you are very blessed if you get a good one. We end up with um, a very high turnover of social workers. And um, the ones that we did end up with that were good were promoted. And we ended up with the newer ones, which were not as good. Uh, they've broken. California state laws doing what they were doing as well as um, interfering in other matters um, like literally serving restraining orders. Um, they have also disregarded court orders to just adjust whatever they want to adjust at any whim that they want to. Um, and it's been a very hard time keeping up with everything that I had to make sure was in place so that they would not end up winning on fraudulent lies. Um, the stepdaughter, she's my stepdaughter, the first child, um, has been coerced by her mother for years and initially did say these things happened. Um, but when she went to court, she told them that it didn't happen. She said everything was made up and her mother told her to say it and everything else. So they ended up letting that one go. Um, at, during the trial, we had another accusation that came up uh, that DCFS also presented to the court with no evidence at all um, involving handguns uh, held against the children, um, all kinds of things that made absolutely no sense, um, and that was that was dismissed uh, without prejudice after a whole lot of fighting from me and getting superior court involved and everything else. Because if I just allowed it to sit like that, they would go right ahead and just push it right through. Uh, the one thing that they did get through uh, was an apparent domestic violence uh, um, allegation against me and my now husband, which has never happened. There is no paperwork. There's no arrest. There has never been a restraining order. There's never been a police call. There's never been a hospital visit. I have never in my life, thank God, been a victim of domestic violence. But now 
because they presented it to the court with no evidence and the court has no way of knowing that they did not do any investigation, puts it on. After three other judges, there's, there's been three judges sitting in this case. So the file being as thick as it is, the last judge that we have now really isn't up on everything that happened before. You know, he just gets the summaries from county council or from the appointed attorneys that are there. Um, it is a very frustrating process. Very frustrating. Um, it seems well, as if trying to the one lawyer is trying to educate it. Um, uh, my husband's attorney is actually trying to get this information and, uh, um, to them because I present it to him so that he can present it to the court. Um, it's just a very daunting process. Um, and everywhere you turn, there's an issue with allegations that they have just come out of nowhere with. And I, I literally am just at the point where something needs to be done to ensure that people are actually getting a, a fair trial or hearing or whatever it is they're facing because they're not getting it right now. Los Angeles County is not giving that to them. We are fortunate to still have uh, the right uh, to our second child. Um, and once we find the first child, um, after we go through that uh, family here, family law hearing, we'll be blessed in January, we hope. Uh, but it has been a very, very hard time dealing with DCFS in this area. It's, it's unbelievable the way that they just go on and just come up with things and you are literally fighting to prove that you're innocent for things that should be apparent when they're doing their initial emergency investigations. Did you know that four DCFS social workers from that area are being criminally prosecuted right now for, for writing false reports to the judge? Yes, I do. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, I'm sure that there are plenty more that need to be, uh, especially two that come to mind in my case. Right. The, the sad thing is, I don't get the impression, it's just my personal belief and experience, mm -hmm. that it's it's having an effect of curtailing social workers from exaggerating or writing false reports? I, I don't believe it is. Um, I think that they've been getting away with it for so many years and doing it for so long that it really isn't having the effect that we would hope as, as a community to actually get them to do what they need to do. Um, this office is literally up in the northern part of Los Angeles County. Um, so that, you know, what happens down in Los Angeles in the cities gets caught pretty easily. Up here, they tend to get away with a lot more uh, without really anything being said about it. And 
my other impression is that people here are afraid to go up against them because they can take your children, you know, with no real evidence at all. They can just go into a, a court without your knowledge or anything else, don't have to tell you that they're going, present this to the judge, the judge signs off, they come, they take your children, and they put them wherever they want to put them. Um, there are state laws apparently in place, uh, but they just override those. And right. people are, are too afraid to. to say anything. Right, but here's here's what you have to do. They will always take advantage of you if you don't know and enforce the law. So, Absolutely. for example, one of the things you just said is that they will take your kids and place them wherever. There's a code section. It's Welfare and Institutions Code Section 309, and it has a corollary California rule of court. When kids are taken from parents, they must be placed with relatives or close family friends. And in a lot of cases, that doesn't happen. Now, it happens in, in, a, in, a, in a lot of cases. Don't get me wrong. But in a lot of cases, in too many cases, it doesn't happen. And, right. you know, I've heard all kinds of reasons why it doesn't happen. Here's a reason I've heard. Um, social workers overworked and underpaid and too busy to investigate relative placement. Correct. It's easier to place a kid in, in foster care. Here's something right. else I've heard. Uh, the county makes more money off of the case from the federal government when the kid goes to a non-relative foster placement. Here's another thing. I I've have heard, found that that is true. I, here's another thing I've heard, and I have no proof of it, um, although I've seen some pretty crazy things since I've uh, been doing this. Uh, social worker uh, places child with social worker's friend or somebody's friend in the office because they want to adopt a child. That last I mean, one is very scary. Parent. I have, I haven't run into that one yet, but I have uh, come across that uh, in each child that is removed in our area, when they are placed with a non-family member um, or a uh, foster parent, uh, they, the county receives $5,000 immediately for that placement. Hey, here's another one that I was just involved. I was just involved in this lawsuit. I represented a woman whose children were taken from her because the father of one of the children was having a romantic relationship with the social worker, and he wanted to stop paying child support. Child support. Mm -hmm. So he 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 allegedly convinced a social worker to take all her children from him from her, give him his mm -hmm. child. Now right. we 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 filed that civil rights lawsuit probably I wanna guess maybe three or four months ago. It was early on in the case and uh the social worker's attorney and the county's attorney asked us to go to what's called a settlement conference in federal court. We didn't have to do it mm -hmm. but right. I, I I, I, you know, go to these with the client. Mm -hmm. And basically, um, the judge that was the settlement judge uh, settled the case for a huge amount of money to my client. L very mm -hmm. large amount of money. And I can only surmise that the judge told them, you have a big problem. This social worker right. did this. 
mm-hmm. and uh, you're going to you're going to lose big time if you go to a trial. So there's a lot of Correct. reasons why people social worker takes takes children away from parents. Now, I want to make something perfectly clear. Is mm-hmm. there child abuse in the world? Yes, there is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do do we need social workers sometimes to protect children? Yes, we do. It's I just agree. that the cases that I've been in, I've been involved with over the years, there's been a lot of cases. Um, mm-hmm. You don't. There's not. There's not child abuse under every rock. You know? Right. And uh, sometimes I feel that there's so much of a witch hunt going on, and it kind of. I agree. It gives me. It gives me a bad taste in my mouth for the entire system when I see Mm -hmm. these injustices every day, all day. And it's like, um, you know, it's just the way things, the way things go. Social workers have so much power um, that is given to them by law and, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. It's just human nature. Right. And with the issues that I've seen in this case, um, it literally is that they are pushing cases to be longer and longer and longer so that they can come up with reasons why they should be able to take the children or or push it to the point where they have literally run out of time. That is basically why our case was finally closed because literally because of California state law, they have run out of time to uh, present the information that they wanted and um, move forward with anything, any type of resolution or anything else. They literally told us, okay, um, you know, the the county has presented their case now. Uh, Now it's your turn to present the case, but your witnesses can't go up right now because um, the department did not submit uh, the paperwork for them to be here. So that was another um, continuation that went out a couple of months because they needed a couple of months to get in contact with everybody they needed to get in contact with. By the time they did that, fiance felt sick, very, very ill. Um, he was really at death's door. Um, and that continued it. And by the time he got well enough to appear again, we were told, well, the case is now over because we ran out of time. He never presented his side of it. Um, his witnesses never got up. His therapist never spoke on his behalf. Um, nothing on his side was ever presented. But because well, they, they ran a, out of they time, have a trial without them? They, they have a trial call it a trial. It, they called it, call it a trial. I'm not sure exactly what this was because I've never seen a trial. Um, in this manner before. Um, I've never seen a judge literally attack witnesses and, and yell at attorneys in the courtroom while in session. And I've never seen anything like this. But this is what we ran into with the first judge. And that's why she was replaced. Um, so it, it's amazing that these things happen. It's it's sad because the children are, suffer through these things because of people's ill feelings about each other or whatever reason. Um, it's amazing how many children have to deal with this. And 
they're put in the middle. They have to listen to their parents, whoever they're living with at that time, um, but they don't want to harm the other parent, which is most likely the father. So they're caught in the middle, which is what happened with my stepdaughter. So now she is seen as someone that lies about sexual abuse on, on a numerous amount of cases. So my concern for her now is when something or if something, God, please never let it happen, comes about, who's going to believe her? You know, she she's nine years old now, but she already has this history. And right. it, it's, it's sad on her account because the workers are not seeing that, okay, look, this is a child. You know, there are certain things that they shouldn't be asking them shouldn't be telling them uh, or, or inferring to them to talk to them. Of course, they want to talk to them alone, which I did find out is not their right. Um, you don't have to let them talk to them alone. They do prefer it, but they don't have to. Um, and in dependency court, thank God, they get in it, the children get an attorney of their own. So you can ask for their attorney to be present when DCFS speaks with them. But it's just, um, it's it's very frustrating. It's still, I just left a hearing on uh, the 13th for the same same issues, literally, that I had went to um, a hearing for last year, where we went to a mediation of, of that one, because the then social worker was doing things she wasn't supposed to do. And um, I brought it to their attention. And all of a sudden, then I had all these allegations of not allowing him to see his biological mother and all kinds of things like that, things I have no control over. And right. thankfully, the, ju the judge actually saw that. Well, that's great. Ma'am, I want to thank you for calling in today. I'm running out of time on today's show. But uh, I would invite you to please call back uh, every Saturday. You seem to be very knowledgeable about uh, the whole process, and uh, I'd like you to keep us updated on your case. I will definitely do that. Um, I'm knowledgeable only because I didn't have a choice. I had to find a way to deal with this and make sure that we didn't lose our family in the process. All right. Well, thank you, and we'll see you on the radio next week. Thanks. All right, we're running out of time quickly. I want to mention a couple of things. Please, if you're not registered to vote, please register to vote. I believe you can do it online or you can contact uh, your county recorder's office and find out how to do that. Or just Google, how do I register to vote in Los Angeles County, in San Diego County, in San Francisco County? The other thing I want you to do is uh, we had a caller that said uh, they want public comment at the Attorney General, California Attorney General's website on should juvenile dependency cases and family law cases, should the litigants be entitled to a jury trial? I so please go to the comment, uh, comment section online and comment on that. And we'll see you next week on the radio.